I'm going to talk a bit more about receiving receiving from the Lord because I I, I think I think we I believe we need to get into for one of a better way to describe it, a, a receiving mentality. Um, and that's kind of what I'm going to share a little bit about. And it's it's maybe not a deep teaching or anything today, but we'll talk about a few things. And I might just talk a bit more casually and informally. But you see, our mindset and the way we think impacts so much about how we approach things. And, you know, if people if people don't think... Um, God wants to give them anything. If they don't, if, if 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 their mindset is, and the way they believe about God is is that God, you know, is tight-fisted, then it's going to change the whole way they approach Him. Uh, if they have a mindset that God's reluctant to give you, or 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 God, you know, this is why this is why understanding things like the will of God, does God want me to have something, is actually quite important. And why you hear about it so much in circles where the word is taught. And, and it's an area people question so much. Because if, if your thinking and your mindset and your belief system, you know, your thinking and your believing work together. Um, uh, in, in a sense, um, if you think wrong, you're ultimately going to believe wrong. Okay. Or if you believe wrong, it's going to cause your thinking to go wrong. They kind of work two ways. Yeah. Um, so, so when I'm talking about it, kind of receiving mindsets, it's also in a sense, we want that to be a, a receiving belief system as well. The two are working together, but if the enemy can get people to completely think or believe wrong, I think I showed this a few weeks ago in Hebrews 11, uh, verse six, for without faith, it's impossible to please God for he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. So both of those beliefs are about him, aren't they? In other words, you've got to believe right about him. If you believe wrong about him, if you if you believe you're coming into a hardened throne room, it's going to affect the whole way you, you relate to God. If you believe you're coming into a judgmental throne room and God's judgmental and God's angry at you, then it, it, it affects the way you approach him, doesn't it? If if you if you think you're coming into a to, to to an environment when you come into God's presence where where um where 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 well let me I'll stick on the one I just said a moment ago where he's he's angry at you because you know or he's looking down on you or he's or or or, or he's 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 constantly focused on your shortcomings. See, all of these things, I mean, and many of us who've heard teaching of the word have probably heard teaching about, you know, I'm the righteousness of God, who God has made me to be in Christ. In other words, it's not just me understanding I'm righteous, but me understanding that when God looks at me, he sees me as righteous. Okay. And so that he's not just looking at me, pointing out all my faults all the time. Because every one of these areas, if you've got areas in your mindset and your belief system that you view about him, you think you're coming into a, an environment that's reluctant to give or where he's pointing out your faults, it's all going to affect your receiving. It's all going to affect your ability as to how you operate in his presence. You know, um, the difference between understanding that I'm washed in the blood, I'm cleansed uh, from unrighteousness. He's made me the righteousness of God. Now, this isn't just for my benefit. 
you know. Now, I, I, you know, we can focus a lot on ourselves, but one of the reasons a lot of this teaching has gone forth about teaching God has made me righteous, he's cleansed me in the blood of Jesus, is because our entire relationship with God goes wrong and breaks down if we under, don't understand all these things. And, and our ability to relate to him is affected by how we see ourselves in his presence and how we think he sees us. Do you remember the, remember the, um, when Joshua and Caleb went into the land or the t 12 spars and, and the, 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 tw the 10 came back, Joshua and Caleb said, yeah, we can do it. But the 10 spars says, said, um, we saw giants in the land and we, we were like grasshoppers in their eyes. Yeah. How did they know they looked like grasshoppers in the eyes of the giants? Did they interview them? Do you remember they said that? We were like grasshoppers in, in their eyes. How did they know? How did, you know how they, they didn't. That's the whole point. What they didn't realize is the people in that land were afraid of them. Their reputation had gone in front of them that God had brought them out of Egypt. Their reputation as to what he had done to um, was it the Amal Amalekites? There were a couple of battles they had in the wilderness. <clears throat> Their reputation went before them. The people in the land were afraid of them. They didn't look at them and think, oh, they're a bunch of grasshoppers. We're the mighty ones. That was the other way around. But be because they, they saw themselves small-minded, it affected how they thought the people in the land saw them. Yeah? Now, that truth applies in terms of our relationship with God. If we think God's angry at us, if we think God has a problem with us, if we think God's looking down on us, it affects the entire way we relate to him and actually affects our ability to receive from him. Yeah? In fact, go to, go to Genesis quickly. Go to Genesis. This, this is quite important to get right. Now, I will jump around a little bit today. I've been doing that a little bit for the last few weeks on the Sundays. But um, <clears throat> it's really important that we, 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 we get a hold of understanding receiving from God. Do you know there's some Christians that, that almost want to look down on almost like it's wrong for us to want to receive, receive something from God. We should just be here to glorify him, but don't think about receiving anything from him. That's very selfish. Those kind of mentalities, I might be phrasing it differently, almost like, oh, those Christians who preach on receiving from God and getting healing, they're always about get something, me, me, get something. Oh, that's so awful. What they should really talk about is just Jesus as Lord all the time. Do you realize that God is a giver by nature and he put it in his word about giving us things and wanting to give us things? Do you realize you make him happy when you receive things from him? How do you like to how would you like to be a giver who loves giving to people who has every ability to give to anyone blocked off and you can't give to anybody? You're going to get like I want to give to someone. Yeah? God actually loves giving. Doesn't the Bible say he's the one who gave us exceedingly great and precious promises? He's the one who gave us Jesus. 
Did Jesus on this earth show God likes doing things for people? Did, did he, does it say how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth who went about doing good? Doing what? Doing good for who? Did he, did he do good in the sense of he made good paintings on the ground? What does it mean he doing good? We could add in doing good for people. It wasn't just doing nice things, drawing a nice. I mean, I, I'm not when I say drawing a painting, I wasn't because I know you're painting. It wasn't the, the furthest thought from my mind. <laughs> but I was just saying it, it wasn't doing good things as in doing nice little good things around. It's like no, when it says he went about doing good, I mean he'd been doing good for people. Now, why do you realize Jesus was the express image of the Father? It says, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. So Jesus comes to this earth, and what does he spend his time doing? Does he spend his time saying, I want you to all bow down to me because I'm Jesus? Or does he spend his time doing things for people? Does that show you the type of God he is? So should, it, should we shut down preaching in the church and try to block it, all these people who preach on receiving from God? No, this is how he is. It's a wrong mentality in us that thinks it's wrong to preach about receiving from God. Almost like, like, oh, we shouldn't talk about that kind of stuff in church. You're receiving healing. Oh, no, if God wants to do it, he'll do it. But don't teach about it. That's very selfish teaching. No, you're teaching his heart and what kind of God he is. How many of you remember? I'll get to Genesis in a minute. I told you I'd jump around. How many of you remember that... Um, Jesus did a lot of his healings on which day of the week? <laughs> Someone said Sunday. The Sabbath. We'll call it the Sabbath without picking which day of the week that was, because we could argue over that one for ages. The Sabbath, yeah? So, uh, so the, 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 he did a lot of his healings on the Sabbath. Why? Okay, well, because they needed it. Did Jesus, some people say, someone might say, well, Jesus did his healings on the Sabbath to annoy the religious people. Do you think Jesus intentionally tried to annoy the religious people? Or do you think the religious people just got annoyed because he was being who he was? I think he went out to intentionally provoke them, do something to upset them. I just think they were going to get upset no matter what anyway. So he, I don't think he healed people on the Sabbath to annoy them. But... I, th I, I The more I look at it, I think for a start, very often in the Sabbath, he was in the synagogue. And in the synagogue was a good place of people gathered with needs. Now you could go find those place, people through the week with the needs. Like, you know, you went and found the man by the pool. Could go down the local shop and find the woman. But maybe the woman bowed down was, was, was in the market during the week. But, but the environment of the synagogue, do you realize... It wasn't like these days where maybe 1% of the local community came to church. How many of the Jews went to synagogue on Sunday? I said a Sunday again, didn't I? I meant on the Sabbath. You caught me out. See, because you put Sunday in mind. On the Sabbath. Let's just say once a week. How many of them would have been going to the synagogue? Do you realize it was the whole the whole community? That's where they went. This was a gathering of the whole community, which meant all the people with needs were there. It wasn't like our society. We think half half the half the you know on church day. I'm going to say church day now. It's something on church day. You know, it's just a little gathering of us where most of the people aren't even around. You see, we, we're reading the Bible with a with a 21st century mentality. Put yourself in the culture. Do you realize that the whole culture revolved around these things? Is that right? Am I wrong? Yeah. 
Okay, so so <clears throat> the ruler of the synagogue in each locality, everybody knew who he was. And they were all in that environment. And Jesus would go into those places. You've got a whole room full of, it's a, it's a really great place where everyone's gathered with all their needs. And what would he start doing? I mean, out of the many different accounts we've got of Jesus healing people, how many of them were on the Sabbath? He saw the man with the withered hand. And it says the Pharisees watched him closely. The religious people, Pharisees and Sadducees, watched him closely to see whether he would do something. Why would they be watching him to see if he's going to do something? Okay, let's think this through. Yes, it's true because you weren't allowed to work on the Sabbath. Think deeper. Why would they be watching him to see if he's going to do something for that man? They see the man with the withered hand. They see Jesus and they think, we're going to watch him, see if he's going to do anything. Would I just walk up to a random stranger on the street? I'm going to watch him to see whether he's going to heal someone. Why would they watch Jesus to see if he's going to heal the, the, the man with the withered hand? Because he's got a reputation for doing things like that. This is my point. Think deeper. It says they watched him. So they knew he went around doing things for people. <laughs> yeah? yeah? Why did he do it on the Sabbath? Well, one convenience people located together. I don't uh, locate it together. But I personally think this. Whose day really was the Sabbath? Okay, we, we would some would say the, the Lord, someone might say the man, the man's. But actually, in 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 a, in a sense, okay. But by by healing on the Sabbath, what is he revealing? He could do it on any day of the week, isn't he? But is that a, is, is the Sabbath, okay, this is, uh, this, I haven't, uh, I'm saying some of this just off the cuff here, so you might correct me on some of this, on my Jewish side of things. But, I mean, in a sense, we could say the Sabbath was, was from a point of view of the religious writing, we would regard it as a religious day. Yeah? So on a day that's kind of a religious day, God decides to heal people. Doesn't that tell you something about the kind of God he is? Because on a religious day, could God do anything he wanted to? Could God just say, bow down to me, all of you? Could he? But Jesus, who came to reveal the Father, chose on the Sabbath day to show God likes doing things for people by doing a lot of things for a lot of people. Doesn't that reveal his character and his nature? Do you see what I'm thinking? Okay. Why did Jesus do a lot on the Sabbath day? I believe it's because he wanted to highlight God likes doing things for people. They could have done that on any day, but by doing it on that day, there's a little bit of highlight to it. I think. I might be wrong, but don't worry. Okay. But, but did Jesus do things for people pretty much everywhere he went? That's what we just read, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth. Now, what does that show us about the nature of the Father? God wants to. He loves doing things. So... All of these mentalities that get built into us, like it's almost a bad thing to talk about receiving from God. And, oh, you shouldn't teach about how to get your prayers answered. Do you think those mentalities are coming from Scripture or are those human religious mentalities that are being pushed in like we should feel bad about receiving something from Him? Because is there any mentality in Scripture where God 
tries to make us feel bad about wanting to receive from thing, something from him? Or do you see a, just a real desire to do things for people? Because it's the kind of God he is. But if our thinking and our mentality is all wrong about him, it's going to hinder us receiving. See, the enemy tries to get so many different wrong thinking in, and a lot of it just it ends up blocking our relationship with him and the, the flow of receiving. Our thinking is all wrong. We're made to feel like it's almost bad to want something from God or bad, like, like, like tiptoe. Now, does the Bible say tiptoe into the throne room of heaven when you want something that you may receive? Or does it say come boldly to receive? Now, in order to come boldly to receive, you've got to know what kind of environment you're going into. Yeah? Would you, would you run boldly through a door that was dark inside and it was all smoky and you had no idea it was on the other side of the door? You wouldn't, would you? You can't go boldly into an environment you don't know what's on the other side. <laughs> boldly, being able to go boldly and confidently into his presence comes from knowing what kind of reception you're going to get in there. And having your thinking and believing right about him, knowing that you're going into a receiving environment and not feeling bad about that. Sometimes the enemy almost wants to make people feel bad about wanting or needing something from God. Like it's an inconvenience. All of these wrong mentalities, you know what they do? They affect the way we, 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 we relate to him. And what does, how does God want us to think? God, he presents himself specifically in the New Testament as a giver. He gives richly. He loves giving. He wants to give. He enjoys giving. Why? All of that is because he wants us to understand and really know when we come into his presence, he has no problem with you wanting something. Would you agree with me? We get built up with a lot of religious mentalities, almost like it's a bad thing to want something from God. This is why I say to people, be careful about mentalities that we let in, which are not coming from the word of God. We've picked them up along the way in church. Let me go back to what I was going to say in Genesis. But what, part of what I'm trying to share here is just some things related to getting our thinking right in terms of receiving. Because if you think wrong, it affects the way you relate to him, and it can really become a blockage in your own receiving. If you feel like maybe I shouldn't be asking, Maybe this is an inconvenience. Maybe he doesn't really want to give this to me. This is why teachings about the will of God and all of these things, we've spent decades trying to teach these things. But then there's Christians who want to try and make people feel bad about teaching that stuff. Oh, it's all you talk about. This is the heart of God. For God so loved the world that he demanded the world all bow down and worship him. Well, that's what we should really be focused on, isn't it? Of course, I don't have a problem. Of course, we should bow down and worship him. We've just done that. We've just had worship. We should honor him. But so, for God so loved, is God, what does the Bible say? God is love. The what is the nature of love? To give. True love is not selfish. True love is not all about what you're going to do for me. Yeah? That's natural, selfish human love. 
And yet, how much do, are we trained to think that's almost what God is like? <laughs> I've got two scriptures I want to go. How many of you, I'll come back to Genesis in a minute. Go to John 4 quickly. The nature of the give, the nature of love is to give. God's heart is a giving heart. He takes great pleasure in giving. He wants to do it. In fact, it brings a smile on his face. How many of you have heard some, someone say, well, we're going to spend eternity in heaven worshiping him? Okay. I'm not going to argue that. Yes, there is a place for worship. But do you know, that's not all that's going to happen. Do you know that Ephesians talks about in the ages to come, he's going to show his kindness to you. He doesn't just want to spend eternity sitting on his throne going, bow to me, bow to me, I'm God. He wants to spend eternity doing things for you, showing you his kindness. It's in Ephesians 2. What does that tell you about him? Is he just all about me, me, me? No, that's selfish love. He is a giver. He is a father. He is a shepherd. What is the purpose of a shepherd? Is, the Lord is my shepherd. He sits by the campfire taking care of himself while we're all drowning. Is that what Psalm 23 says? The Lord is my shepherd. He enjoys a comfortable chair while we're in the brown pastures. Sorry, did I read the wrong Bible this morning? <laughs> Doesn't say. What is it? The Lord is my shepherd. What, what, is, what is the rest of the psalm then talk about? I shall not want. What does that tell you about the shepherd? He's such a good shepherd. He don't want you in want. What does it also tell you about a shepherd? What's the purpose of a shepherd? Is a shepherd all about making himself comfortable? Looking after the sheep. So the shepherd wants to do things for the, for the sheep. Why do you think he compares him to, and not even just a shepherd, he says the good shepherd. And what about a father? Yeah? I mean, the father wants to take care of their children. So why does he compare himself to all of these things? Is it because he wants you to just think about him as someone who wants things from you? Or does he want you to think of him in terms of he wants to give you things? Yeah? So is it wrong to realize, to just get that, wow, he wants me to have this? Brings a smile to him. Does he have any problem with me having this? No. But how many Christians jump on the moment you talk about Christians having anything, God giving you anything? It's all the wrong mentality. It's not Bible mentalities. Where did I say go? We'll try and we'll try and look work through a couple of these. I've given you scriptures and we haven't read one yet, have we? I keep saying go to a scripture and then I talk again. John 4. <clears throat> This is when Jesus is talking to the woman, uh, woman at the well. Anyone heard, remember this passage? Um, and they start to talk about worship, yeah? Okay. Now I'm just, I just want to grab part of a thought out of this. Um, 
The woman in verse 19 starts to talk to him about worship. She's perceived he's a prophet. And she wants to ask him some questions about the, the physical location to worship. You know, do we worship on this mountain or Jerusalem? Um, and so he begins to talk to her, verse 21. But women, believe me, the hour is coming when you will neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem worship the Father. So they're talking about the acts of worship, aren't they? Now, Jesus brings about a change he, 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 uh, to, to something here. Verse 22, you worship what you do not know. We know what we worship for salvation is of the Jews. But the hour is coming and now is when the true worshipers. Do you see that phrase? The, up until this point, they've been talking about the act of worship, the location, all these kind of things. But Jesus now talks about what? What is a worshiper? A worshiper is the person. Yeah? Now, what does it say? Uh, but the hour is coming and now is... Now, did Jesus need to talk about a worshiper? Just for, I, want, I want you to catch something on this, what I'm saying. It's relevant to what I'm saying about giving and God receiving, okay? Does everyone see that in the Bible? She's asking about the actual acts of worship. Should we do our worship here? Should we do our worship there? And Jesus makes a little shift in the conversation. He talks to her about the actual physical acts of worship for a little bit. But then he shifts to talk a little bit about a worshiper, not just the acts of worship. Now, when you look at what he said, you ask yourself, did he really need to do that? Could he just continue, could he just continue talking about the actual acts of worship in the rest of what he said? He could have done. Why does he talk about the person doing the worship, not just the act of worship? Okay. Now, then he says this, but the hour, verse 23, but the hour is coming and now is when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. You, a worshiper likes to give worship, don't they? Okay. But then he says this, when the worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for the Father is seeking such to worship him. You see that phrase? Seek, what is the Father seeking? Does it say he's seeking the physical act of worship? Or is he looking for the worshiper? Do you see the difference? Is God sitting up in heaven just saying, I want worship. Give me worship. Everybody, I'm just going to create more and more people so that I've got more people worshiping me. I'd say that's a bit of an ego. I mean, there's something, you know. Is he just after the act of worship or does he seek the person, the worshiper? Now, why is a worshiper important to him? More than just a worship. Worshippers... givers i'm just talking about giving stuff a worshiper has has taken their attention off of me and wants to spend their life giving an act of worship to someone else god yeah Why does God like worshippers? Now, let me ask you this. Think this through. David, we talked a bit about him on Thursday. David was a worshipper, wasn't he? Wrote a lot of the Psalms. Many people view David, they, sometimes the terminology psalmist or, I don't know, different, but, but a worshipper. 
mean, he's kind of got a reputation for, you know, sitting, sitting maybe out with a shepherd and uh, out with a shepherd. He was a shepherd out with the sheep, singing worship songs to the Lord. Okay. Did God say I, when, when, when things went wrong with Saul and King Saul was pretty much taken out of being the king, you know, that's my polite way of saying it. We studied it on Thursday. Um, did God say, I'm going to go and find someone, again, my paraphrase, after my own heart? Yeah? Isn't it amazing when God went looking for someone after, what does it mean after my own heart? After my own heart? It means just like me, the kind, of, the kind of person who's like me. Isn't it amazing when God went looking for someone who was after his own heart, he found a worshiper? What does that tell you about God's heart? Why does God like worshipers? Is it because he wants the act of worship or does he see a reflection in them of himself? Now, does that mean God goes around giving the act of worship all the time? No, you're missing the point. What is it about the heart of a worshiper God likes? It reflects his nature. He likes seeing himself in people because he's not selfish. So he's not like, oh, I like seeing about, I just like looking at mirror images of me. No, no. He wants to find people who have the nature he has, which is a giving nature. Does that make sense? Why? He loves giving so much and he wants his kids to love being like that kind of person. But it tells you something about him. Does he have a problem with giving his kids things? Does he want us to think of him as being tight-fisted? He, he, he loves giving you things and you enjoying the things that he gives you. Actually makes him happy. Because he's not selfish. Does that make sense what I just said about worshippers there? But the enemy has worked so long Building in us walls like it's a bad thing. We should feel bad. Oh, you shouldn't even really ask because it's going to be an inconvenience. You certainly shouldn't spend a lot of time teaching it on church because that's very selfish orientated teaching. That's not the nature of God. He actually, he put all this stuff in his word because he wants us to enjoy receiving from him. Now, he also wants us to not just Take, 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 take selfishly. He wants us to be a reflection of his nature. That's why he said to Abraham, I will bless you and, and multiply you. But I'm pretty sure he said in there the phrase as well, I will bless you and you will be a blessing. Yeah. Now, I've heard some people say, how many of you know, again, you've got to be careful of the phrases we use. Some of you may have heard this phrase. Uh, or may not, it was popular a few years ago. God blesses you to be a blessing. I don't agree with that phrase. I'm going to tell you why. It's quite popular. God blesses you to be a blessing. It's not what he said to Abraham. God did not say, Abraham, I will bless you to be a blessing. Don't change subtle individual words in the Bible. What did he say to Abraham? I will bless you and you'll be a blessing. You see two things. 
He didn't say the only purpose of why I'm blessing you is so that you can bless others. That's what that phrase, you're blessed to be a blessing, sounds like. What that actually sounds like is God really can't care less about you. All he wants to do is get something through you. You're meaningless. That's a wrong mentality. Yeah? I don't agree with, I'm blessed to be a blessing. I agree with, he loves giving to me. He wants me blessed and, and, two things, and he want, then wants his nature reflected through me for me to also be a blessing. But he is interested in me being blessed and getting things from him because he loves doing it. Our thinking's wrong in these areas. We always get to shift things off to almost feel like God really doesn't care less about me. All he wants to do is get a blessing through me to someone else. But then as soon as the blessing goes through me to you, now he doesn't really want you having it either. Because now you're blessed to be a blessing. So now the blessing is just going through you. So this blessing just nowhere ever really wants to go to anyone. <laughs> goes through me just to get to someone else. Goes through you just to get to someone else. Where does God actually ever care about anyone actually enjoying it? <laughs> I'm just passing it on to them. No, he actually wants me to enjoy some things. And he doesn't have a problem with that. This teaching will probably offend some people on, 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 online. Because there are religious people around that don't want you to think God actually wants you, you to enjoy anything he gives. Yeah? Doesn't he say, in the, and it's a quote from the Old Testament, but he also says it in the New Testament, when he talks about he gives seed to the sower and bread for food. Does it just say he only gives you seed to sow? doesn't say that. It says he gives you and bread for food. What does that tell you? He wants you to enjoy some of it too. It's that same idea. It's not just, I'm not just, I'm not just someone he wants to move blessing through. <laughs> I'm, one, I'm someone he actually cares about too. My condition, meeting me. Now, we can get so selfish that we just think me, 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 and then we forget to be the blessing. That's why you've got to get both parts of the, of the truth. But, but there's no problem with the fact that my God really wants me to enjoy things. He wants me, I'm not just, when I say things, I'm not just talking material things. I'm talking about anything he gives. Because it makes him happy. He loves it. So we shouldn't feel bad about receiving anything from him. This is an amazing kingdom we're in. The enemy's kingdom is the one that wants to steal from everybody and selfishly build up for myself. We've got a kingdom where he actually wants me, can't take, go and enjoy. In fact, to the point that he says, just come in and take what you need. Because the word receive means take. Our wrong mentality, we think we've got to tiptoe in almost like, oh, I've got to convince God to give it to me. That's all the wrong mentality. We, we've got some serious mentality changing to do. We really need to capture the heart of the Father. He says, he says I'll lay a table before you in, your, in the presence of your enemies. Well, now, he says, what are, you know, if you say to your kids, I've laid the table, what are you kind of expecting them to do? Well, one, come and sit at it. But once they're sitting in it, help yourself. Have you used that phrase at home? There's the food. I put it on the table. 
Why would he lay a table before me if he doesn't want me taking anything off it? <laughs> How do you like to have dinner with your family? And you say, right, we've laid the table. Everyone comes in at the table. So all the, all the kids and all the family around. And, 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 and mom and dad, you're eating and you, you fill your plates up and you pile it up. And one of the kids puts some on there and you step, don't you put any food on your house. You just watch us eat. <laughs> and the whole family's come around for dinner. And only mom and dad are allowed a plateful because, you know, the rest of you must just look there and feel bad about wanting anything. Do you think there's something wrong with this home? <laughs> what kind of parent feeds themselves and starves their kids? <laughs> That's what we've thought our God is like. He, he, do you realize he, he, how, many, how, how much poverty is there in heaven? How much does he lack? How much does he sit in heaven and, and think, oh, I can't, I can't pay my light bill today? I mean, okay, he is light, but that's... It's not. <laughs> but does he live in, 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 with his needs taken care of and with the things that he desires there for him? What kind of parent would live in that kind of environment and want his kids being in the exact opposite, struggling here all the time? Yeah. He actually wants us to enjoy the things of his kingdom. That's why he uses the word. And we translate it receive, but actually often it means take. Come into his presence and take it. Just come and grab some. You need some? Grab it. But we're not, we, we struggle with that mentality, don't we? we, we we've been so trained to think it's a bad thing. We really need some mentality shift toward the things of God. This is probably some simple message. I'm just chatting away up here, if that's all right. But we just need to realize he loves giving. He wants to give to us. And then he also wants us to learn to be like him and give to. And I'm not just talking money. I'm talking about the whole nature of it. But it's why he loves worshipers. Because a worshiper is not just focused on themselves. The, the, a worshiper has the right heart. It's why, says, he looked for a heart like his own. A heart that reflected who he was. Isn't it amazing when he went look? I said this a moment ago, but I'll add a bit more to it. When he went looking for a heart like his own, he found one, a worshiper. He found two, a shepherd. What does that tell you about his heart? <laughs> I think... I'm still going to go to Genesis in a minute, but I think, you know, Psalm 23. Can I give you my version of how, how David wrote Psalm 23? I know I'm not saying this is a revelation from God. God didn't show me this. This is my imagination running wild, okay? Just, you know, maybe God just inspired it to him prophetically on the spur of the moment and there was no forethought maybe. But this is what I'd like to say. I think, I think one day, <clears throat> I don't know when exactly he wrote, David wrote Psalm 23. But maybe it was later on when he was king. And I haven't looked into the time. So, so like I said, just, just stretch the imagination a little bit for the illustration. But maybe, maybe one day he's king. I'll have to look up the timing of when he actually wrote Psalm 23. But maybe one day he's looking back at, as king. And, and he was thinking about himself as a teenager. Everyone, anyone ever done that? We'll do that, don't we? Sometimes you wonder, your mind wanders back about when my, my life years ago. You know? I think David, maybe, you know, he was looking at his kingdom. He was sitting on his, maybe he was just having a quiet day. And he was just thinking about the days he used to be a shepherd. And he was thinking, wow, you know, 
no, man, I've got this massive castle now. And I got, I mean, not castle, you know, whatever they had, but I'm just, you know. And, and then he's thinking, man, I remember as a teenager, I used to run in the, up and down in the fields and I had the sheep. And, 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 then, and then just in this, on the inside of him, something prompt, he just felt this prompt from the Lord. And maybe he didn't realize. And, 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 and God said to him, remember, remember how when your, your sheep used to, used to just get hungry and they needed something. He goes, yeah, and David thought to himself, yeah, you know, I remember, and I'd, I just, I really wanted them to have a good pasture. I used to, I used to go over hill after hill just looking for the best pasture for them. And and, and this, and and then just he thought to himself, that's what I did, I did, yeah. And then the Lord said, yeah, and and remember, remember when they were distressed, you used to look for a really quiet place for them. You know, maybe maybe they'd, there were some wolves nearby, and you just tried to find a really quiet place. He said, yeah, I, used, I remember I used to take them by the quiet rivers and we used to just enjoy. And the sh- I could just watch the sheep happily bouncing around in the green pond. So happy enjoying because I brought them to such a lush place. And David is thinking to himself, man, I used to do that for them. And, you, you know, and, and, and God said, do you remember? You remember how you just wanted to make sure they had everything? And David thought, yeah, I remember that. And then the, the Lord said to him, that's what I'm like to you, David. And so the revelation hits him. The Lord's my shepherd. He is exactly like that toward me. How I was toward my sheep. Yeah. I just wanted to make sure they were taken care of. They, and, and you see, we've got to think right toward him. Otherwise, we, receiving just gets blocked. We, we have all kinds of blockages get built up in us. Okay. Now, let's go, let's go to Genesis quickly. Did I finish all the different ones I tried to go through there? <laughs> I've jumped around, but let's go to the one that I, Genesis, I think it's in verse 3, when, when, uh, when, when man, uh, chapter 3, Genesis chapter 3, yeah. Uh, um, this is after they eat of the tree, yeah? From verse 6. So the serpents tempted them to eat of the fruit. It says in verse 6, So when the woman saw that the tree that the tree was good for food, it, it was pleasant to the eyes, and the tree was a tree desirable to make. Um, otherwise, she took of its fruit and ate. She also gave to her husband with her, and he ate. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they knew they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made and made themselves coverings. In verse 7, where it says they knew they were naked, they sewed fixed leaves together and they made themselves coverings. Does it say God told them all those things? Okay, just want just note this. At this point, God's not, this is their own awareness of some things, yeah? This doesn't say God, God said this to them yet. Verse eight, and they heard the sound of the Lord, walk, the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day and Adam and his wife hid themselves. Why? Why did they hide themselves? Okay, they might know they, they, they were naked, but, but really when you, when you look at it, nakedness is symbolic of, of, of almost shame. Yeah? yeah. And, and, and so why did they hide themselves? They, they, they feel ashamed of what they've done. But why would they hide themselves just out of shame? They also, you see, when you feel ashamed, you're also thinking the person's going to be upset with you and disappointed with you. 
Yeah? Yeah. He said, I was afraid. Now, did God say you need to go hide yourself? Where's this coming from? Can you see things inside uh, Adam and Eve? Things inside them have suddenly changed the way they are behaving toward God. Did God tell them to make those behavior changes? Did God come in the garden with a big steel rod? Look, I'm going to whack you. Where are you? Who, who, the changes happen inside of them. And previously they've enjoyed being with God. But now suddenly their entire behavior changes toward God. Did God tell them they must change? Yeah. He's seeking them out after they've sinned. Yeah. Yeah. He's seeking them out. That's interesting. What's God do? He comes walking in the cool of the day. Now, let me just pause for a moment. Does God know everything? Did God know they've sinned? Yeah. So, but, but what does he do? He comes in just like he normally always does. He comes in in the cool of the day, like he would have done the previous day and the previous day when they walked with him. So God doesn't change how he's relating to them. They changed how they were relating to him. Why? Because changes happen inside of them. It affected their mentality, their belief system, and it completely affected the relationship. This is the point I'm trying to make today. When we're not thinking right, when we're not believing right, when this thing's not correct in our thinking, it completely affects the way we are in our prayer life and our receiving from him. And it doesn't mean he's feeling that. It doesn't mean he's got a problem with you receiving. But all the wrong thinking, all the religious teaching, even when we've missed it and we feel bad, Often it's a lot of it is feelings inside of us and it completely shifts how we change toward him, how, how we are toward him. Okay? And there's always a bunch of religious people ready to help point you down and beat you over the head some more. <laughs> but God is not the one who changed the way they were relating to him. He continued on. Did he come in in condemnation? Did he come in with an iron rod ready to beat them over the head? No. How did he come? Just continued coming on with relationship. He knew that what they'd done, what they did. Yeah? They heard the sound, and they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the, the garden in the cool of the day, and Adam and his wife hid themselves. That's why I just paused a moment ago. He didn't tell them, go hide yourselves, get out of my presence. How dare you be around me? My, my presence is, is coming into the garden, so you just clear the way, Adam and Eve, because you're now... There's none of that. Okay? Hid them, they hid themselves from the presence of the Lord among the trees of the garden. Then the Lord God called to Adam and said, where are you? Now, he knew exactly where they were. <laughs> he knows everything. He wasn't searching for them. Sometimes when God asks you a question, it's not because he doesn't know, the, doesn't know the answer. He's giving you an opportunity in some areas. Okay? But... Notice this, verse 10. So he said, I heard your voice in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. At, at least at this point, he knew God's not the one who's causing all these problems. At least that point. Now notice what God says, verse 11. And he said, who told you that you were naked? 
What does that tell you? Okay, yeah, you could say the devil themselves. But what does that tell you? Why would God say, who told you that? It's another way of saying, I'm not the one who told you that. That didn't come from me. Yeah? So they're getting guilty, condemnation. God's saying, who told you that? Do you see this? He's saying, I'm not the one who made you feel like that. It's amazing how many times people come before God and they, they feel guilt and condemnation and they think God's putting the guilt on them. And God's putting the guilt. Every time I get around God, I get guilty. He's not like that. What he wants you to do is enjoy what it's like to be cleansed. The blood. He, he made cleansing blood available because he wants you to live clean, free from all the guilt. Okay? Who's the one who reached out to man afterwards? He provided the whole route way for the cleansing and stuff like that. But you see, people think people think that, that you know, oh, the Holy Spirit's just you know condemning me, condemning me. He's not the condemner. Yeah. Now, he, as a loving father, he wants you to grow. He'll say, look, that's wrong. Change her. He'll say, I'm not saying you won't do that. Yeah. But he's not banging you over the head. What he wants is you to understand being able to think right toward him. Because if you think he's the one doing all those things, it's going to completely affect the way you relate in his presence. Do you see, their feelings inside themselves completely changed the way they behaved around God. Now, they could have pointed the finger all the time and said, well, God said this. God said, who told you that? I'm not the one who made you feel like that. Amen? Now, I said all of that. We've taken a bit of a side journey. We've talked about the, the sin and the cleansing, but th that's not the primary purpose. I, I use that as an illustration to say this whole idea that that we think he doesn't want me to receive, and he's my problem, he's withholding. If we get all, if, if, if the wrong thinking is on our side, it's going to completely affect how we are with him. He says, come out with an open arm, I want to give you stuff. We come in with clothes, oh, no, 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 it's bad, oh, it's selfish, oh, no, no, this, and then people make us feel bad. And he's like, I'm trying to get you to enjoy things, I'm trying to give you. Because if he's angry with you and, and yeah. he doesn't want you in your presence, it's not just even about just receiving. It's about yeah. actually, are you going to come into my presence if that's how you're yeah. thinking about it? Yeah. You're going to get clobbered. That affects everything. Now, yes, of course, he also loves it when we just come to fellowship because he wants to walk with us. Okay. So I'm not, I'm not undermining. Of course, there's the whole fellowship aspect, but there's a lot of teaching around which almost makes us feel bad about asking God for something. And that becomes a blockage in our own receiving. When sometimes you just got to realize he loves to give, he wants to give, he, he enjoy, it makes him happy. He's a father. He just loves to give. And then, of course, he also wants you to come and sit on his knee and say, let's have some fellowship too. Yeah? But throughout the word, it says 
He gives seed to the sower. He gives bread to the eater. He gives. You, it's an amazing study when you look at all the passages that says God gives. I mean, I've, I did a scripture search one time. I, I can't remember how it came, but it's pages and pages of chapters that says God gives this, God gives this, God gives it. Why would he tell you so much he gives those things and then turn around and say you should feel bad for receiving them? <laughs> he tells you all over his word. Why? Because he actually wants you to enjoy things he gives. Amen? So anyway... I hope that helps a little bit because we, we've really, we've really had, I'll, I'll probably will bring it to a close here in a minute. I know we've got the baby shower and stuff as well, but um, I know we, we, we just, there's so many different ideas that get filtered around the body of Christ that almost, but a lot of them are designed to make us feel bad in some way about wanting something to receive from him, from something from God. Like we should, we shouldn't ask God for things. We should feel maybe he doesn't want to give it to you. Or, or those Christians who talk about those things are just all on the wrong track. I'm like, that's the Bible track. That's everything you see about Jesus is wanting to give things. He came, he says he came to do good. Do you see what I'm trying to say? You shouldn't feel bad about the fact that my God just loves to give. But you know what? I want to be like him too. And I want to love to give to other people too. That's a good part of it. That's part of the growing with it. Amen. But don't let the enemy build up those hindrances in your own mind to receiving. Just understand, he doesn't have a problem with you having a receiving. In fact, really a taking mentality. He says, come grab it. Come take some. Okay? Just like that woman with the issue of blood. I think I said this last week. And I'll finish you in a minute. But why? I was thinking about this. I don't think I said this last week. I said it later on in the day, I think, because it, I was pondering on it. Why did that woman with the issue of blood think she could do what she did? I think I might have said this on Zoom this week. I mean, I don't know, but this is this is what was, was going on in my mind. Yeah, that woman with the issue of blood, you know she didn't even ask? Did she ask Jesus? From our point of view, you kind of think she's a little bit, she's either a thief, a pickpocket, or she's really rude. Did she just walk to Jesus and say, I'll take me some of that? Oh, that anointing on you. I want some of that. I'm taking some. I'm not even going to ask you. I'm not going to tell you. I'm just going to take it. And I'm going to walk back into the crowd. You won't even know I took it. Was that her attitude? That, we would look at that and think that's really rude. What, why, did the, why did that woman think she could behave like that? In, because she, she, she knew Jesus was the Christ, the Messiah. You know that. Okay. We have no reason to believe she was around Jesus any time before this. This was, we have, we, we are, as far as we know, this might have been her first ever encounter with Jesus. Now, she believed he was at least a prophet. How do I know she, I be, she believed he was at least a prophet? Or put it this way, a prophet who was anointed by God. Because she wanted to touch his garment. And in the Old Testament, it was the prophet's garment represented their anointing. Elijah's mantle, Elisha's mantle, all these different things. Why did she want to touch his clothing? Because she knew... Something about the, the scriptures, the Jew, I would say our Old Testament, the Jewish scriptures. She clearly knew that that represented the anointing. That means she knew she was coming to get some anointing from Jesus, which means she was coming to get something from the things of God. Now, what made her think she could just walk up and take it? Okay, but where did that kind of faith come why didn't she, why didn't she just ask him? She heard about Jesus. Well, the same idea that gave her the, 
the idea to touch his clothes. How do I know she knew a, a bit about the scriptures? She must have gone to the synagogue. She must have heard things in the synagogue. She was first off, she was a Jew. We, you see, we read these stories with 2,000 years of Christianity in our thinking. This was, was a culture where they're all going to the synagogue on the Sabbath, almost said Sunday. Not Sabbath. People will be highly offended if I say Sabbath Sunday on the, their Sabbath. So she clearly knew some things. Now, what did they do in synagogues? Anyone know what they did in synagogues? They read scriptures. Synagogue is not the temple where they did the sacrifice. The sacrifices was for only for the temple in Jerusalem. Synagogue, they read the word. That's why every time you see Jesus in the song, it says he got up to read. Okay. The synagogues were in every town that was different to the temple, which was only supposed to be in Jerusalem. So she, she evidently knew some about the scriptures because she thought to herself, if I can just touch the, the hem of his garment. I wouldn't think, oh, I need to touch someone's clothes. We would think, I'm going to go touch them, them on the back. Now, technically, you might be touching through their clothes, but you would think about touching the person. She's thinking about touching the clothes. That means she knew some things about scripture. She had to have known it. There's enough in that to tell me this. If she knew that much about scripture, she also probably had an awareness of the, the mentality in the Old Testament. What made her think she could just walk up? Because she didn't have 2,000 years of Christianity clogging up her Jewish thinking. She had a Bible where they were taught to possess the land. She had a Bible where God said, come and take what I'm giving. That's the mentality in the scriptures. She had a Bible which told her, Caleb said, I want that mountain. I'm taking that mountain. She had a Bible with a David and Goliath where David didn't say, well, you know, we'll just have to see if it's the Lord's will to knock Goliath. David said, I'll go knock him flat. Come, let's go do it. Everything in the, you look at the, the 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 way it's laid out in the Old Testament, all that they would get up and God taught them to get up and go and go take. So this woman just thought, these are not, I'm gonna go take some. That's the whole mentality built into them. They didn't have 2,000 years of Christianity changing that thinking. That's why the woman with the issue of blood went in behind him and touched his garment. Yes, she was desperate, but the way she did it came from a scriptural mentality. Other people were touching out of curiosity. With wronging him, yeah. In that particular passage, there were other passages which says other people touched him, yeah. She took. Now, what made her think that was okay? You can be desperate. It doesn't mean you're going to go do things quite like that. Other, the nobleman who came to Jesus was desperate, but he didn't do that. He's... Jairus, his daughter, was on the point of death. He didn't just walk up and take the anointing. What made her think she could do it? Because that's the mentality she captured while she sat listening in synagogue to the scriptures being read. Now, you might disagree with me. I don't have a problem if you disagree with me. But the, I, think, I think she just thought, that's what God wants us to do. Just go take it. In fact, Jesus then said, yeah, that's fine. You got it. Oh, man, I like your faith. That's exactly what you want you to do. So then he says, more of the rest of you should come grab it like that. Because God has no problem with that. Amen? Anyway, let's pray. Hallelujah. Father, we just, we give you all the glory and all of the honor. Hallelujah. Lord, we just want to just... Uh, 
thank you for all the good things that you've done. Lord, I thank you that you are a good God and you want us to enjoy the things that you give. Of course, you also long for fellowship, relationship. You want us to just be enjoy being with you, but you also don't want us to have a problem and think it's bad or wrong to want to receive things from you. We want a scriptural mentality, Lord, not just all the different ideas that get built in along the way into teaching that, that aren't quite scriptural. Just realize you're, 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 you're a giver. You're, a, you're our shepherd, our father. And, and, and you just you, you want to move and manifest, manifest in, in, in different areas, whether it's healing. You just love doing it. Yeah, I have any problem. Someone needing healing, Lord, you just want to manifest that in their life and say, there, take some healing. Just receive it. Just take it right there. It's yours. Or if they need have other things, you just say, yeah, I'll do that. I just love giving. You, yeah, just take it. You can have it. Lord, help us to just get our thinking right and to get a shift in our thinking to, to, to a receiving mentality or a taking mentality and to realize it's not wrong to take these things from God because you've made them freely available because you just love giving so much. So, Father, we thank you, Lord, for that. And I thank you, Lord. I thank you, Lord. We just take a hold of things. There's things we need right now with our faith. We believe we receive right now. And we lay hold of that, each one of us. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for manifesting that healing in people's bodies right now today, Lord. We receive it. We take hold of it. Thank you, Lord, that it's done in Jesus' name. Bless you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Father God, just as we come to a close, I also just want to thank you, Lord, for this building. I know we've used this building a bit on the Thursday nights for the teaching, but this is kind of our first kind of official, proper full-on church service as such in this building. And Lord, I just want to take this opportunity to dedicate and consecrate, just like they did in the, the old covenant when they... I know this isn't technically a temple or a tabernacle, but with the same heart, the same attitude, Lord, and you know, I'm sure we'll use other buildings along the way, but, but I just want to commit and consecrate and dedicate this building and the use of this hall into your hands, Lord. And I thank you that we can use this place for your glory and that you'll draw people in and begin to realize there's a, there's a church there that teaches the word, and it's a, let this be a place that people can, can be set free. Let this be a place where your spirit can, can move and manifest the way you want to. Let this be a place where your word is taught without compromise, without holding back. Let this be a place where you are glorified and you can do what you want to do, Lord. And so we just we, we, we commit this place to you and the use of this building into your hands. We consecrate and dedicate this to you, Lord. And we thank you for this opportunity. We pray that, that, that while we're here, Lord, that this place will just be abundantly blessed because we're here. Because your people are here, Lord. May, may this place be, just be so blessed and just have the hand of the Lord and the anointing and presence of God. And, and may, this, may this, even people coming, may they just come into this place and find you and get to know you, Lord. Fill this place with your presence, your glory, and your anointing, Lord. 
in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Amen.